0: What's the purpose of the book of Exodus? The book of Exodus is famous for people being rescued from slavery. And certainly that's a key element and something that we've looked at in the book of Exodus. But I don't think it's the key. I don't think it's the purpose of the book of Exodus. I think we see the purpose of the book of Exodus in the later chapters, those chapters that we've seen the last four or five weeks we see God's heart we see God's heart is to rescue his people but he doesn't just rescue them he rescues them for a purpose for a reason and that reason is to be with them to be in fellowship with them to be in relationship with them and indeed we see this in the pages of scriptures. We see this from the very first pages of the Bible. We see that God walks with humanity in the coolness of the day in the garden. Why? Because he wants to be with them. We see it in the last pages of scripture. In Revelation, we see that the, the whole cosmos has become a temple where the voice from the throne says, now the dwelling of God is with man. See, God is rescuing people. And he rescues them in dramatic and incredible ways, but he rescues them for a purpose. And that purpose is so that he might dwell with them, so that he might be with them, and they might be with him. And that's really what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. We've seen this culmination of God with his people, In the instructions for the tabernacle, as Moses goes up the mountain, his people are to be with him, him, to be close to him. He is to be with his people. But also we're reminded in the book of Exodus that his people are to be with him. His people are to be close to him as much as he is close to them. And in many ways, I think this is the really the, the deepest longing of the human heart. Our desire to be close to God, to be in his presence, to be in relationship, fellowship and communion with him. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives, to behold him in his temple. At the heart of every human being, the Bible reminds us that the God that, who has made us and the God in the Lord Jesus who has saved us longs to be with him because we long, he longs to be with us because we long to be with him. And there are times in our lives where we sense this acutely, where we really desire to be close to God and we sense it acutely. Well, Moses senses it acutely in our passage and we see that in Exodus chapters 33 and 34. Moses says, I don't want to go anywhere without you because he knew his purpose. He knew what his life was about. The um, great Christian writer, St. Augustine, from the 4th and 5th century says this in his book, The Confessions, which is really a biography, a spiritual biography of him realising what his life was about. He says this. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The presence of God is at the end of all our longings. All the things that we pursue in life, at the end of that, ultimately, ultimately, The pursuit of God and his presence is what we desire. And so the question I want to ask us this morning is, will we be desperate? Will we long for the presence of God? We long for many things. And I wonder if this morning and in light of this morning, if we could see behind those longings, those things that we are desperate for, those things that capture us, I wonder if this morning we could see beyond them that, Those desires, those longings that we all have behind them all, and behind every human desire, is a deep longing for the presence of God. Why don't you open up to Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to work our way fairly sequentially through um, this chapter before us. You'll see in the opening words there in Exodus chapter 33, verse 3, God's commanding Israel to depart and to go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. And at the end of the book, they will continue their journey. They'll continue the journey by God's presence in Exodus chapter 40, verse 38. We see that the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels the presence of God is at the heart of these chapters. And we've seen some amazing things as God has rescued his people. He's rescued them from the slavery, from being enslaved by the Egyptians. God met with Moses in the burning bush. God sent the plagues in Egypt. He passed over those who had the blood on the lamp of their doorposts. He did it so everyone would know that he alone is God. Exodus chapter 7. And then God departed. A part of the Red Sea delivered the believing Israelites. Destroyed the Egyptians. Fed them in the desert with bread from heaven and water from the rock. He gave them His law, and Israel got that glimpse of God's glory on the mountain back in Exodus chapter twenty-four. And so, I want to ask us this morning: Will we be desperate? for the presence of God's glory. God has been rescuing his people in remarkable ways, as we've seen in each of these chapters. And now the question is, will he dwell with them? Last week we encountered the horrible reality of God's people turning their back on him as Moses was upon the mountain. They worshipped this golden cow as they turned their backs on the God who had rescued them and provided for them. And so will they have God's presence? At first glance there in chapter 33 in verses 1 to 3, it seems to be good news. Despite their failure, God was going to take his people to the promised land. He's going to take them to the promised land, but you see in that second half of verse 3, there's the problem, but I will not go with you. Why? Well, God has said this, He said this to His people so that He would not consume them along the way. Notice also there in verse 1 that God called them the people rather than my people. And there in verse 2, it was just an angel rather than my angel. A distance because of the worship of this golden calf. A distance has occurred between God and his people. But God still would give them gifts and the promised land. But he would not go with them. He would not be with them in the same way he was before their worship of the golden calf. Israel's credit, we see that they respond appropriately there in verse 4. They they hear of this news and it hits them. They mourned. And as they put on their jewellery, as they worshipped the calf, they in verse 4 did not put on their jewellery. Instead, they left their jewellery off from this point forward in verse 6. And so by removing these symbols, of their rebellion it demonstrates their contr- their contrition and their repentance the people long to be right with god and they see it as a longing for god to be present to be with them and i, I guess this this encounter teaches us really three things. Firstly, it teaches us that we have a need that we cannot overlook. See, I think in this moment, as God decides and God brings a level of judgment as he brings compassion to his people, the full reality of what they did in turning their backs on God is starting to be made known to them. Israel realised that their greatest need was to have God, for him to be close to them. Their greatest need, what wasn't simply to be rescued from the slavery of Egypt, as important as that was, their greatest need was for God to be with them, to be close to them, to be in fellowship with them. And I think if we think about it, what God said to them is really what, A lot of people want. A lot of people in our world want the benefits of God. They want the blessing of God and in fact I think often we do too. We want all the benefits that God can give us and sometimes we forget the one who gives it. Many people in our world want the blessings but not the blesser. They want to go to the promised land, heaven but it doesn't really matter if God is there. While there are wonderful benefits to the gospel of the Lord Jesus, we must not forget that the greatest gift of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the greatest gift when we trust in him, is that we come into his presence. That he is close with us and we are close to him. And we might not not realise that in that moment. But that's what the Christian life is about. It's a growing sense that God has come close to us and we are now close to him. We enter into relationship with him. And knowing him, knowing God is better than anything else. Being close to him is sweeter than anything else. The psalmist asks in Psalm 73, what do I have in heaven but you? So let me ask us let me ask you and ask myself this morning do you want the promised land without a personal relationship with god we need to ask ourselves that as many benefits as we share and enjoy in the gospel of lord jesus is it god that we want ultimately so firstly we see that we have a need that we cannot overlook but Secondly, we see that we have a privilege that we just can't neglect. Moses enters the tent of meeting. You see that in uh, verses 7 to 11. This shouldn't be confused with the tabernacle, which wasn't built yet. Both were places to meet with God. But this tent was, if you like, Moses' own private place of meeting God. This tent was outside the camp where the tabernacle would be later on in the centre. And so you have this scene in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses would leave the camp to go to the tent and the people would stand and watch as he leaves. They would watch their mediator, the one who would go before them on their behalf, go into this tent to meet the God who had saved them. And when he went in, the cloud would come down and hover over the entrance. And what happened inside? Well, Moses talk with God. It says there in verse 11 that God spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with a friend. This does not mean that Moses could see God. Uh, later on we read in verse 20 that no one could see God's face and live. What it means is that Moses and God were in intimate, direct Communion and communication. While God said that he would not go with them, God was at least talking with Moses. He was talking through his mediator. And this is a privilege that we share. This is a privilege that we share today. Because as we gather here this morning, as we gather with faces that are familiar to us in a building that for many of us, is just kind of plain. We gather here this morning by God's Spirit to meet with him, to encounter him. And we don't have to go anywhere to do that. We don't have to pitch a tent. As believers in the Lord Jesus, we have immediate access to God through his Spirit. We are that tent We take the tent everywhere with us because God's presence goes everywhere with us when we trust in him. He speaks directly to us as he spoke to Moses. We read the pages of scripture and they can be familiar to us but we must be reminded this morning that when we hear God's word read we're hearing God speak as God spoke to Moses and as we Hear him speak, we respond in prayer as Moses responded to God. Poor praise for the Ephesian Christians in Ephesians chapter 316 that they would be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. As he encounters them. We have the privilege of communion this morning. And finally, we have an assignment that we cannot complete. There they were, God's people desperate for God's presence, because without him, they they just could not go on. In verses 12 to 13, Moses asked for God's help in leading the people. And what he says essentially is, we don't really have the resources in and of ourselves, God, to do this without you. We can't do this without you. And so Moses asked to know God and his ways there in verse 13, he says, please teach me your ways and I will know you. Moses realised what Jesus would say later in John chapter 15, you can do nothing without me. Often we forget that. We like to go about our lives with God perhaps somewhere around, but do we realise that we can do nothing without him? Are we people who know that we have an assignment as his people? We have a mission as his people, but we we can't do this mission without him. Moses used his standing before God to make this bold request. And we're we're reminded this morning that at the end of the day, and in the very depths of our hearts, whom in heaven do we have but you. God is all that we have, and when we realise that, we realise He is also all we need. Like Israel, when they're living by faith, they experienced the intimacy and the closeness of God, His face went with them. And friends, when we're reminded that in the Lord Jesus, we have been given His Spirit and we have this fellowship with Him, He goes with us too. Later on there in verse 15, it looks like Moses isn't paying attention. God has just said his presence would go with him. God has just said his presence would go with him. If his presence does not go, he does not want to be made to go. In verse 15, Moses realised that God promised to be with him And I think this promise is individually. It's it's the you. But what about everyone else? Well, verse 15 shifts to the plural. Moses pleads with God to go with his people. There in verse 16, he added that God's presence in the midst of them was what made them distinct. Moses says to God, "He, he can't go one more step. They can't do this without him. And friends, we're reminded this morning that we need God as well. We need God to go with us. We must have his presence to fulfil our mission. What distinguished Israel was, was not their wealth. They'd been slaves. It was not their culture. It was not their righteousness. Certainly they'd just been worshipping this calf, golden calf. What distinguished them was that God was with them. And now too, what distinguishes us as Christians from others is not our wealth, not our ability, is what distinguishes us is our relationship with God. We must rely not on ourselves, our methods, our marketing, our money, as good as those things must be, uh, as good as those things are, but we must rather rely on God's presence, the fact that he goes with us to accomplish our mission. We need his presence. We need his presence each day just to get through. We need his presence as we seek to reach our community We need to be like Moses, that place of realisation where we know we can't do it in and of ourselves and our only way forward is if God is with us. In verse 17, we learn why God decided to be with them. It was because of the mediator. Israel was blessed, not because of their good works, but because of their mediator. And our salvation... Our guarantee in the Holy Spirit, God's abiding presence with us, is the result of our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. God was pleased with his son, we're told in Matthew's Gospel. He confirmed his pleasure in his son by raising him from the dead. And so when we trust in the Lord Jesus, we have an experience of not just rescue, there is rescue from our sins, but ultimately we have an experience of presence with God. What distinguishes Christians from others is their belief in the Lord Jesus and his indwelling presence. And perhaps there are times where you think that you aren't just you really aren't worthy enough that God could never be pleased to dwell with me. We're reminded that this is the gospel of grace, that God is a God who is gracious, who gives to people what they don't deserve. You're right, in those moments when we feel that we're not worthy to have God's presence with us, we're reminded that this is what the Lord Jesus came to do, came to die for us, to bring us close to him. And so if you trust In the Lord Jesus, you are united with him and he is pleased to dwell with you because he is pleased to dwell with his son. So let us be desperate. Let us remind one another that we can't do this by ourselves, that we have this privilege that we cannot overlook. We have a need that we must not neglect and we have an assignment that we cannot complete by ourselves. Um, we will look at uh, later on uh, the rest of Exodus thirty-three, because it's a key passage. It's one of the I think one of the most important passages in the New Testament. But I want to finish just with a reflection from our second reading, where we saw that voice come from the cloud saying, "This is my chosen one. Listen to him." And then after that voice had spoken only Jesus was to be found there is Jesus with his disciples and there is the glory of God about him Jesus unveiled his glory on that mountain that mountain of transfiguration Peter with Peter John and James and as Jesus face was altered as his glory shone as his clothes dazzled with white Moses was there too. Previously, Moses could not see God's face later on in Exodus chapter 33. But now, as the disciples are with Jesus, as Moses is there, they behold God's glory in the way that Moses could never have previously beheld it. God, now God could say, you want to see my glory? Here it is. Moses was talking with Jesus face to face on that mountain as a man speaks with his friends. Luke even added that they were discussing Jesus' death, which literally uh, translates as his departure, his exodus. Jesus was about to lead as he walked to the cross, his people in the ultimate exodus, the ultimate rescue But his disciples did not understand it, for they thought that there should have been a tent of meeting for each of them, just like with Moses. But the father said, you do not need a tent. You just need to listen to my son. And when you listen to the voice of the Lord Jesus, you encounter the glory of God. Moses saw the glory of God in Jesus Christ as they dwelt there on that mountain. And we too see it. We see it just as a glimpse, as through dark glass, but later, later on, when he returns, we will see him face to face. And that gives us great hope. The tabernacle and all its glory. Moses' encounter with God in Exodus chapter 33 point us to the glory of Christ. The book of Hebrews picks up this point powerfully and so does the Apostle John when he wrote, the word became flesh and took up, one translation, translation has it, residence amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only one, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth this morning. As we hear Jesus' words, as we hear him speak to us, As he's speaking to us, let us behold his glory and let us long for his presence. Amen. I'm going to stand and sing.